and welcome to the Vexillogic Cast. From the most pirate-friendly city in the Americas during the Golden Age of Piracy, I'm Simon the Cannibal. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about a couple pirate flags and pirates in general. We'll see how this episode goes because I have a disclaimer coming up, but before I proclaim my disclaimer, I encourage you to head on over to vexillogicast.com, that is V-E-X-I-L-L-O-G-I-C-A-S-T dot com for show notes, and the subreddit r slash Simon the Cannibal for discussion. As I mentioned in the pilot episode, I am not a historian, and I wanted to bring that up again for this episode specifically because I'll be talking about some flags that are not well documented. The golden age of piracy was the late 1600s and the early 1700s, and of course, the history of illegal activities is not a broadly documented item. So, with that disclaimer in mind... Pirates! Alright, so today's episode is going to have a main focus of the the quote-unquote Jolly Roger. But before we get into that, we have to start with the Barbary Pirates. According to lore and legend, and who knows if this is true, the Barbary Pirates introduced the custom of flying different colors... For different meanings, as the Barbary pirates were Muslims, they would often use green for Islam. According to some legends, their green flags had a skull and crossbones on them. According to others, they had a black flag, and this was used as a heads-up for a pirate coming. And sometimes they also had red flags as well. So this is kind of where the prehistory of the Golden Age of Piracy comes from, and this is where European sailors would have first encountered piracy, and from which would have drawn their symbolism. Again, according to legend, during the Golden Age of Piracy, the main use of flags was that of the black and red flag. Flying a black flag meant that you were a pirate. Oftentimes, a ship would come up on another ship flying a false flag, a flag of whatever nation that ship was that they're trying to get next to, and then haul a black flag to say, hey, I'm actually a pirate, surrender your goods. And if the other ship did not immediately surrender, the pirate ship would then hoist a red flag meaning, hey, you took too long, now not only are we going to take your goods, we're going to take them by force, and we're going to kill all of you. As such, it became quickly illegal to even have a black flag on your ship, and if you had a black flag on your ship, you could be tried for piracy and hanged. As such, and as pirates got bolder, they began incorporating symbols that they were warding off death, that they were just a moment ahead of death, or had somehow aligned themselves with the anthropomorphic death and were coming for you, the merchant. So you see common symbolism of skull, uh, a depiction of death or a skeleton, and oftentimes an hourglass. And speaking of making friends with death, one possible explanation for where the term Jolly Roger comes from is that Old Roger was used as a euphemism for, again, this personification of death. So, to get into the Jolly Roger. There are many takes on the classic Jolly Roger, and this is, of course, the skull facing forward with two crossed bones underneath as a kind of a saltire underneath the skull. That specific version was flown by Black Sam Bellamy and Edward England, and probably a few others as time went on, but was played with a lot by other pirates. You would see a skull with two swords underneath. You would see a skull on top of two crossed bones. You would see just a skeleton. 
that sort of thing. All of these either white on a black background or red on a black background. Henry Avery, also known as Long Ben, and his crew would often fly a, and again, according to legend, would fly a white skull and crossbones, only the skull would be pointing towards the fly and have a handkerchief on its cranium. Also, according to legend, he had one version that was a white on black and one version that was white on red. And as I am wont to do, there is a Philadelphia-related note on Henry Avery, and that is that it is rumored that somewhere around 75 of his crew retired and moved to Philadelphia, somehow bribing the governor of Pennsylvania to let them stay. And the Pennsylvania governor of the time became so enamored by them that he actually stopped his law enforcement officers from prosecuting these pirates for being pirates, which led to the legend that Philadelphia was one of the most friendly ports for a pirate to go to. There is another legendary pirate who may or may not have come to Philadelphia, set foot in Philadelphia, possibly even wined and dined at what is now 2nd and Market Street, and that is Blackbeard, also known as Edward Teach or Edward Thatch. And Blackbeard brings us to our second style of pirate flags, and this is not just a skull and crossbones somehow aligned. This is anthropoid figures doing something. Specifically, on the Queen Anne's Revenge, Blackbeard the pirate flew a black flag with a white skeleton in the right hand holding an hourglass. Again, death is coming. In the left hand holding a spear, and there is a heart, a red heart, with three blood droplets coming out of it. I hesitate to talk too much about Blackbeard. There's a whole lot written about him. He's a very famous pirate. But suffice to say that he carries on this legend of if you're a merchant, you have a moment to surrender and you won't be hurt. Otherwise, you're going to be out of luck. Our last pirate flag is that of Bartholomew Roberts, sometimes called Black Bart, but that might confuse you with the Wild West figure of Black Bart. And Bartholomew Roberts actually had two different flags. One was him toasting with the devil. It was a a white depiction of him on a black flag hoisting a drink and toasting a skeletal figure and a second flag of just him as a white figure holding a sword on top of two skulls and underneath the skulls were the letters ABH and AMH standing for a Barbadian head and a Mart and a Martinican head as he had a specific vendetta against those people from Barbados and Martinique. Again, as there's not much written about these flags or what they specifically mean or who specifically had what, if these flags even existed, of course a lot of these flags were just destroyed after the pirate was caught, there's not a whole lot I can say about these different pirate flags in this episode. So let's throw some other random pirate facts at you. One of our oldest depictions of pirates comes from Julius Caesar, who was, in fact, captured by pirates. And according to lore, he he promised that he would pay their ransom and come back and kill them all. And they all went, ha ha ha, Julius Caesar, you're so funny. And of course, Julius Caesar being Julius Caesar, he built a great fleet, came after them, and crucified all these different pirates that had captured him when he was younger. Piracy, of course, also still happens, although not as much as is portrayed in the media. Somalia and East Asia being, until recently, the big places that had 
major pirate problems, although according to recent fact sheets, piracy in both these areas hasn't even occurred for several years now. I think our last glorified pirate is Jean Lafitte, who was the famous pirate who helped Andrew Jackson during the War of 1812 and the Battle of New Orleans. He's certainly the last actual pirate that I can think of, or the, I should say, the most recent pirate I can think of, who actually practiced piracy on the high seas. As this is a podcast, and as I've not spoken like a pirate yet, I should say that how we think of pirate speaking mostly comes from Robert Newton's portrayal of Long John Silver in the 1950s movie of Treasure Island. So this armady and that sort of thing actually only comes from very recent sources, whereas pirates in olden days would, of course, just have the accent of wherever they were coming from. I suspect I've ill-timed this episode, by the way, and I should have released it sometime around September 19th, which is, of course, Talk Like a Pirate Day. And finally, random pirate facts aside, I do have one more flag to talk to you about, and that is the flag of the Pirate Party. There exist, in several different countries, a pirate party that is a reaction to corporate influence and government. I don't know if there's a a better way to say that, and I'm sure I'm going to get some flack for that. But basically, the Pirate Party is a group that is fighting for intellectual property rights and direct democracy and different things in different places, but mostly as a reaction against how major corporations have taken intellectual property and made it so that the normal human being can't use that generally when they're trying to be represented. And of course, this varies very much state to state, country to country. But the most common symbol I've seen is a purple flag with a white circle with a black sail that is forming a P, kind of taken from the Jolly Roger sail of the Pirate Bay, which of course is a website where one can find links to movies and such that can then be illegally downloaded. This black sail is sometimes then further modified depending on in which country the pirate party is operating. For example, there is some sort of fish on this black sail for the pirate party in Iceland. And I saw a red and white checkered sail for the pirate party of Croatia. All right, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I have a suspicion that it's not going to be listed as top favorite episode of all time. But I hope you learned something nonetheless. As always, head over to vexillogicast.com for show notes and r slash Simon the Cannibal for discussion. And I can be reached on Twitter at cannibal underscore Simon. A final parting note. Next week's episode might be delayed by a day or two because I'm going to be traveling for a wedding. I hope to record something before that, but I have not exactly been the best about preparing before I go traveling. Thanks for listening, and best wishes from the Vexillogicast.